How would you like to increase your borrowing capacity by $50,000 to $100,000 or even more? Hi, I'm Sam Powell. Hi, and I'm Jared Krause, and we are the hosts of Property Pals Australia. And in this podcast episode, we're going to be discussing three key ways to increase your borrowing capacity. We're also going to be talking about some examples of how both Sam, myself, friends and family and people that Sam have worked with to help them increase their borrowing capacity and buy a larger and better asset because they were able to increase their borrowing capacity and how that set them up for a far better financial future. It's one really good uh, one really good example that you shared yeah. um, around hex debts and stuff like that. We also have some strategies to increase your hourly rate and earn a higher income as well. Yeah, so stick around. There's, there's a lot in this episode um, and we, we go on a few different uh, tangents, but overall, I think there's a lot of value to uh, take in. Uh, we also look at you know, how to uh, minimize and remove your debt, um, and the second and third order consequences of doing that for your portfolio. So we'll explain that a little bit more. Uh, we also took it look at the uh, repercussions of of gambling, Ooh. and uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it does affect a lot of households in Australia, and a lot of people don't talk about it. Um, so looking at that, not only to from a, a I guess a finance property perspective, um, maximizing your borrowing capacity, but also yeah, the, the health ramifications on that as well. Yes. Um, and another key point towards the end is looking at how mortgage brokers can find you the best deal to ensure you get the, the highest amount of, of good debt for your property as possible. Um, there's also a lot more to, to cover and stick around too. At the end, I end up choking on my <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on something in my throat. Uh, so there's a bit of a laugh there for you to maybe take the piss out of me as well. I look like I'm crying. <laughs> Guys, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Property Pals, the podcast where we share everything around how to build a property portfolio from researching areas, financing, structuring, buying, selling, and reinvesting to live a life of financial independence. As a disclaimer, any information shared by myself, Jared, Sam, and the Property Pals team is strictly general and should not be taken as constituting professional advice. You should consider seeking independent legal, financial, and taxation advice from a qualified professional. Yeah, so borrowing capacity. How do I get as much? Money as possible, Sam. Oh, the, I nearly the called you. Question. I nearly, I nearly said your nickname then. Oh, hey, yeah. Ali. Yeah. Oh, well. Hopefully, everyone gets to know me in you know, multiple. You guys assets. can, you guys can just call him Pally. That's what we've been calling him for the last twenty plus years. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's an old high school nickname. That gets what do you guys call me? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, so uh, how to maximize your yeah, capacity? How, how do I get super rich? Like, is this much? <laughs> Debt as possible. Yeah, yeah. And don't be fearful of debt. And we'll, mm. we'll do it. Well, there's so many episodes to cover here, but yeah, we'll, we'll touch on that in the future. But um, coming in from the, I guess this is like the foundation series that we're putting together. Um, a really key component of that is you know, how to maximize your borrowing capacity. Uh, obviously, you know, the more money you can borrow, the the greater asset you can purchase. Um, and there's obviously strategies around that too. Um, you know, going to your full borrowing capacity it could be um, okay for some people, but uh, at the same time, you know, there's others that would probably be beneficial of not going to the full borrowing capacity because that could hinder their, I guess, um, ability to go again sooner in Future. a different asset. And yeah. You can diversify your risk into different asset classes, but 
Um, that's a whole other piece. But here we're trying to talk about how to maximize your buying capacity. So um, I guess, yeah, jump on in. Yeah, so I guess we're going to have, and I think we should probably stare, share some stories that you've got, some that I've got uh, around different ways and examples that I have or other people have increased their borrowing capacity, um, people that we both know or you know individually, vice versa. Uh, but I guess we start from like the foundational, like like what's like what are the top few things that we can do to increase our borrowing capacity, Sam? Yeah, well, um, stability equals predictability in the bank's eyes. So having that um, stable income uh, gives confidence to the, the lenders. So it's not just banks, there's other lending institutions as well. So what, what do we mean by stability? Like what's stability of what? So consistent income is good okay. and consistent um, level of expenses that they can track is good. Um, and there's obviously ways, as I mentioned last episode, you know, banks are looking at your income, your expenses and your assets to justify their, your risk profile and that's going to um, lead into how much they're going to lend to you as well. So um, the first thing that I'd probably jump into is, you know, looking at your, your debt that you've got at the moment. Um, there's three key ways of actually, you know, removing that debt or like um, making it look prettier, as I say, in the bank's eyes. And that's to either repay it, to cancel it or to consolidate it. Mm. So uh, if we bring into an example, um, say for... One of my loans that I was going for, I had a $8,000 credit card. Um, I had it fully paid off, um, but it was the, the structure was still there. Uh, what I did and what I um, like general ad, advice around that is, you know, if you remove that credit card, banks will look at it, even, if you've, even though you've got no money owing on it, they still look at it, well, they've got access to max out that credit card tomorrow at eight grand. So mm -hmm. they look at it as a liability and they assess that as if you um, have the full um, $8,000, for example, uh, owing to them. And what that does is reduces your um, borrowing capacity by generally three to four X yes. of what that limit is. So I've heard it can be more as well sometimes. Yeah, bank. yeah, different yeah. banks. Um, and obviously, I'm not a mortgage broker. They'd be more um, savvy onto that. Mm. That was just the advice from my personal situation at that time. Mm. Um, and, and that's massive. So, yeah, so let's give it numbers, right? Like, let's, let's give an example. Because uh, I had... One of my examples is like I had a business credit card which was like tens of thousands of dollars in credit and I had to decrease it, uh, wanted to decrease it and was told by my broker to decrease it to a, to a lower, a lot lower and only for a two-week period that the bank was going to assess my, my situation uh, prior to getting the pre-approval. So you can decrease that limit and then expand it back out yep. based on the, the lender that I was using at the time. Obviously, it's going to be different if everybody's different circumstances. But say if somebody de decreases their credit limit to $10,000, just for simple maths, that means it would, what would their borrowing, like if even if you had zero, so let's compare zero credit card to a $10,000 credit card. A $10,000 credit card would reduce your borrowing capacity by three to five times. So that's what, 30 50 to 50 grand. Yeah. yeah. And then something less, more as well. Less. So, yeah, if you wanted 40, if you wanted to get a 400K loan and you got a 10K credit card, 
with uh, a point five or x five x, maybe you can only get three fifty. Yep. Okay. And that's a really simple way just to cancel the credit card for the two weeks. Yeah. Um, and reapply for, for the bank and um, yeah, you have an extra fifty thousand dollars, which you know can be a massive difference because you're going to be increasing. Yeah, the quality of the asset too, from a three fifty to a four hundred thousand dollars purchase, and that'll also increase your rental income because generally you'll get a higher rental income. And so you typically be could, especially from like three fifty to four hundred, you could probably buy in a better area as well, right? And yeah, 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 that's huge. Yeah, so that's the um, I guess that's that consolidation part. Um, uh, un- or re- remove that if you can, you know, if you or circumstance, obviously reduce it. Are there any other um, things in that? Like, so that's just credit cards, right? Are there any other other ones that oh, are like? There's a key trick that um, you know, back in my financial planning days, that it was a you know, very common occurrence. What we would do would do a balance transfer on credit cards. So um, that's sort of getting into uh, preparation before going for these loans. But um, what you can do is do balance transfers. So you might have a uh, credit card which with XYZ Bank and you're paying a 20% interest rate on it because that's what credit cards generally charge, which is ridiculous. But um, <laughs> you've got that 20%. That's actually affecting you paying down that debt. So if you do a balance transfer, other banks will actually entice you into their, their bank by saying, well, bring that debt over to us and you don't have to pay that interest component for 12, maybe 24 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're basically doing is using whatever money you're paying that interest in to pay down that principal, which helps you pay down that credit card faster. So that's basically you know, re- reducing and consolidating that debt. Um, and that's it's really important. Another way that um, you can go about that as well is if you've got things like um, you know, car loans, personal loans, other credit cards, um, to try and consolidate them into one loan structure that has a lower interest rate. Nice. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like refinancing multiple loans into one. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've got a car loan, it might have a high interest rate um, or a credit card. You know, this is not financial advice uh, at all, but it's just a strategy that is um, can be you know, put forward and your mortgage broker and um, accountant, financial planner will be able to assist with that. But uh, basically... You're really looking at the interest rate component of whatever debts that you've got. So mm-hmm. you want to try and find the lowest debt possible because that way it's going to um, have the lowest amount of, I guess, repayments. And with that, you're increasing your net cash flow and the banks like to have a high net cash flow. Mm-hmm. And by net cash flow, I mean what the cash you have um, on hand at the end of each week, and each, each month, if that makes sense. Gotcha. So that means decreasing the loan amounts and then also trying to decrease the interest charged. Well, yeah, right? yeah. Well, if you're doing, if you're consolidating, you still have the same debt amount. Mm. It's just that you won't have. Well, one, it's a lot more simple because you only have one debt to be repaying, um, and two, you'll have a lower interest rate component. Those that already hold property, like say it's a principal residence or another investment property, um, strategies that have been used in the past are, you know, basically. Getting refinancing that loan because you've got a low interest rate because property is lower risk. It generally runs at say like a three to a seven percent interest rate, whereas credit cards generally run around a twenty percent <laughs> interest rate. Um, what you do is just draw the um, equity that you have available out of that um, principal place of residence or other other home. 
take that 50 grand, um, pay off your credit card debt, your car loan, all those higher interest rates. Gotcha. So you're removing that liability and then therefore you've got the higher component in your you know, your property EBI, loan. Yeah. Um, but your interest rates, as I said, like say Less three off. three to seven percent. Um, and then you're using that spare cash flow. And this is the key, people That's they, amazing. That's an amazing share. Like just <laughs> just the way I think about it as well is like you've got liabilities so typically what you you're saying consolidate or cancel uh, and re- remove slash decrease the bad debt liability debt versus debt on assets which is good debt yep. and you're taking equity out to pay off say a car loan and a credit card just just wiping that out cleaning this cleaning the slate and then rolling that into a slower interest rate with one with with just one debt, yep. that's that's a huge guys. That is massive. Yeah, like yeah. you get like Sam just rolls that off the tongue like it's nothing because he helps people make a lot of money in this game. But that is huge and can like tap into that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, a lot of I guess financial planners. It, it's a it's a pretty simple strategy. But as I say to people, that you don't know what you don't know, and the world is set up for you. This is sort of my like pessimistic view. Is like. Um, businesses are there to make money from you and in, in my eyes it's there to set you up to fail so they want you to have those higher interest rates because they're, they're making money off you it's your job to be smarter than them and find you know, more savvy ways to mm. either repay cancel or consolidate your debt and then transfer those i guess um, non-productive debts into productive debts and that's yeah. the whole purpose of i guess you know, investing especially in property i like it i like it a lot but also, I guess we should share an example of somebody that doesn't already have a property that's gaining equity that they could go away and cancel and consolidate loans. I'll give you an example. Uh, my sister was going to buy a new car, or she did buy a new car, and I, I she was going to get finance for it. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Did you get finance? And she bought it cash, um, and she bought it with cash. And I was like, great, that's awesome because that's going to help you so much now with your borrowing capacity uh, rather than having finance. And she had the, if you have the cash, buy it, right? Or if you've got a loan, uh, a debt for your car and you can afford to pay it out, like pay that out or pay out your credit card if you don't, even if you don't have equity, like that's decreasing that's going to help huge. Yeah. So a good little example of that was um, I was having a, a meeting with a, a first home buyer um, back in the day and they had a hex debt, uh, so the university debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was roughly around $30,000. So they were um, umming and ahhing what to do with it. And we, we looked at it that if you paid out that $30,000 in debt, that it would increase your borrowing capacity by sixty dollars to $90,000. So you did. So that's double. That's like a 2x or 3x. Yeah. So you look at, looked at that. And this is obviously, this is a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, based on that, it's like, well, you're losing that initial deposit because you like that cash deposit. But you're gaining so much more in your borrowing capacity, so you'd end up having a higher loan to value ratio. They might pay um, lenders' mortgage insurance um, on that front, but the lenders' mortgage insurance on, um, say, from a eighty percent LVR to an eighty-five percent LVR is only a few thousand dollars. So you're depending looking, on the asset size, yeah, depending well. on the asset size. But you look at that, and it's like, well, from a strategy point of view, that made a lot of sense at the time, and they were able to get into the market 
I had to pay a little bit of lender's mortgage insurance, which you know, from an, um, I guess, a principal residence, uh, and at that time too, which is you know, 2019 was back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the growth that they've had; they were able to get into the market at um, a great time. At a great time, and it's it served them quite well. Whereas if they were to try and save up that um, initial deposit back to an eight percent LVR, then they would have missed that growth that we saw in 2019, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, huge, huge. It's so, it's really when you when you think about investing in property, it's just like taking your finances and putting them in the best possible position for that those finances to make you money rather than you having to work for the money. Yeah, that's pretty much the philosophy of life, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, make things work for you so you don't have to work for it. Like some people might think it. Um, lazy. <laughs> Sometimes I feel lazy, but I think it's smart. It's just yeah, it's smarter, not harder, right? Well, you're buying. You're literally buying yourself options and freedom. Well, that's the most and that's happiness. Thing. I think freedom, happiness is freedom. Well, that's what your whole business structure is around. Is yeah, yeah, replacing replacing your having to buy like replacing having to work for an income, right? Yeah, because time, as you said multiple times in buying online businesses, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, time's the most valuable resource, so um, yeah, yeah you, you won't be able to get that back, and uh, that's you know, what I'm sort of focused on and on helping Australians um, yeah get more time back, and so are you. But you're more like worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, it's so damn. This is why I love doing this. Is like selfishly, I'm learning so much from doing these podcasts, but also selfishly helping people replace their income and not have to work and have that freedom like the fulfillment that i get from that selfishly is like massive and that's why i do what i do yes it helps people but it's also so beneficial to me and 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 what we're doing here as well yeah. uh so maybe well, that's a good point and um our whole the- thesis here is to try and help people mm. um and i'm learning every single day yeah, still, like I'm not the oldest person in the room but by any means, but I've been doing this for 15 plus years in mm. property and, um, yeah, I'm learning every single day and I'm trying to empower people to, to not make the mistakes that I see, you know, every week basically. <laughs> um, it's just miseducation and that's what this is. This piece is, right? It's education. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, I guess we'll, we'll get a, getting back on track on how to maximise your borrowing yeah, capacity. Yeah, so that's, that's consolidating and cancelling uh, liabilities. Yeah, so debt, debt, debt consolidation and repayment or, or cancelling them is really key to maximising borrowing capacity because if you can do either you know, any of those three things with your debt, it's going to um, enhance your, you know, I guess, your net cash flow at the end of the day. And there's three key prongs in this. So it's your debt, your income, and your expenses. So step one, reduce your debt wherever you can um, by cancelling, consolidating, or repaying it. Mm-hmm. Um, Step two is, you know, let's look at the, your income and you're a big, big proponent on that one. Make like, more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how do you increase your income? Like, yeah, well, this, yeah, that's right. And to in, so as an employee, you've got so many options to increase your income as well. You can ask for a raise, obviously prove to your employee that you're really good. Um, I like to give my people more money, bonuses, all that sort of stuff. Um, and you can do that as an employee. Another way to do it, I guess, is getting another job. Yep. Uh, I think I shared this example in the first episode yep. where somebody that came to um, do work with us and buy business, they wanted to make more money and they got another job and they're doing two jobs to save for their 
them the money to be able to purchase their business. Uh, and so you can do that. Um, and then if you, there's other ways, like you can invest in other assets or like what I teach is buy a business uh, or make, make money online somehow. Like you, you, I'm not an advocate for starting a business. That's a huge, uh, a huge thing. If you would have seen what I actually do is I tell people not to start a business because it's not even failure rate. But there are ways that you can earn an income online. So say if you wanted a second job, there's ways that you could just work online part-time or choose your hours to work online for different sort of uh, employers. Yeah, hustle. I mean, we've all been hustle. In- That's it. It's, 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 it's not probably not hustle, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. My, my take on hustle culture is, is it's toxic, uh, but... Yeah, you can work smarter and still do extra hours as well. I, I mean, you remember when, like, I was first <laughs> starting out. Like, I, I did the hustle thing, but that that's became very toxic to me. Yeah, long term hustling is, um, I guess, toxic to soul. Yeah, long term lead to health um, inefficiencies. But that's that's my wife's domain, <laughs> <laughs> which actually happened to me. Yeah, I got, yeah, I got um, Epstein Barr virus from overworking. I didn't even realize, you know. Oh, yeah. I, got, yeah. I got thin hair. <laughs> Which is way better than having <laughs> Epstein Barr virus. <laughs> uh, um, I, I guess I was, uh, the thing that came to my mind was um, I've been in a few like Ubers or cabs um, in, the, in my time, and you, know, you, you see the, the driver um, also taking phone calls. Yeah. Like, are, you, are you doubling down? And that's increasing your hourly rate, right? Like, Yeah, that's a really, really good point, increasing your hourly rate. Uh, and that's what you've done mm. in, in um, through your line of work. And also, like, so you could go the route of like, oh, I'm doing this job as a plumber, what I used to be, and then I'm going to, in my off hours, I'm going to do Uber Eats, right? But as a plumber, I would be would have been earning more money through plumbing. So I'm actually going decreasing my hourly rate, but how can I increase my hourly rate so you're working smarter, not harder, but earning a higher income? And maybe that could be, well, maybe I'll do some overtime or ask the boss if I could do some overtime because I know I'm going to get time and a half or upskill. work on some, yeah, exactly, upskill. Cut you off there. No, upskill <laughs> is a way to go. Is, yeah, is upskill a, like... Do a little course or something, learn how to get your... your, your excavation license or something like that like yeah. it's, a, it's a step backwards because you got to take that time but then it's one step backwards though yeah to get two forwards and that's that's a big part of my life it's always mm. taking a step back which at the time is um you know it's difficult but then you, you see the compounding effects over time and for me now i get excited about taking step backs because i can see what it could lead to mm. um yeah so so in, increasing your income Upskilling, working online. Yeah, asking for a raise. There's, there's multiple different ways yeah. um, from that front. But I'm a big advocate for uh, decreasing your expenses, which we'll talk about in a second, decreasing entertainment expenses. Oh, well, let's jump into that now because we covered that uh, income part. But yeah, yeah. expenses. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the three-prong three approach. I and mean, we've covered, obviously, debt, income, and now... This is the one, the simplest way to uh, improving, maximizing your borrowing capacity is, yeah, looking at your expenses. Yeah, and what I was just like coming back to, like I think I'm a big advocate for, for 
decreasing your entertainment expenses, but I'm actually a bigger advocate for you earning more money uh, because there's, you can only get so much wiggle room or play with decreasing your expenses versus increasing your income. There's no limit, like sky's the limit. You can increase your income as much as possible, which will help you increase your borrowing capacity so much more than just decreasing some entertainment expenses. Uh, we have talked about decreasing expenses before. Um, we're going to cover it again, but in a different different flavor, I guess. So what, what are some of the ways that um, you've seen people be able to decrease their expenses? Uh, go through your, your discretionary and non-discretionary mm. uh, spending habits. And this is going to get, this is why it's so key in this component of maximizing your borrowing capacity is mm. that um, banks are looking at all this stuff. So when you're giving your bank statements to them, whether they're three to six months, they're scanning through and seeing what your habits are. If your habits are consistently overeating every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, <laughs> they're going to take that as a consistent um, expense and um, amortize that over their calculations yeah. and that will reduce your borrowing capacity. Um, same with uh, I've had clients that they were taking $50 out of the um, ATM at a local pub every single Friday mm. and they saw that over their statement it was consecutive so that's like 250 bucks a month or 240 dollars a month yeah well so 50 bucks so yeah four to five weeks so I guess like if you're if you're thinking about like Uber Eats every Friday Saturday and Sunday night and it costs you for you and your partner 50 bucks yeah round numbers 50 bucks 150 bucks every week plus 50 dollars out of the ATM that's 200 dollars a week it's about eight hundred dollars a month. That's all ends up being a decent amount when you might not need that fifty dollars towards alcohol, or you could, uh, you know, yeah, well, make your meals, meal prep, like what I do. Yeah, but that's break, break down further. Eight hundred dollars a month. Okay, cool. Yeah. What's that like? Say you're doing that ten months a year. It's eight grand a year. Yep. That's yeah, it you adds know, up, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, even like the classic thing: twenty bucks a week, a thousand bucks a year. You know, like. Mm. Just thinking of it that way, like multiplying it over an annual basis, you start to see that holy, holy crap! I spent a lot of money on shit, mm. um, and yeah, um, that's just Uber Eats. Banks look, look at that kind of stuff. They look at um, yeah, your, your cash withdrawal. So if you can, like when you're prepping to go for a pre-approval loan, um, you really want to remove all these expense, like these, I guess, uh, these expenses out of your. Uh, I guess bank statement because mm. they don't want to see that stuff mm. um, because banks going to look at that and say it's consistent, um, consistently going through, and that's going to reduce your overall borrowing capacity. So um, it could be three months or six months of pain, but you know what? Like, put the big rocks in the jar first, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And gambling. Oh, don't you don't. I want to get you started on gambling <laughs> they because hate they hate it, right? Like I. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was surprised we went to a friend's house and everybody was just putting bets on and I not really into gambling and like phone gambling, like apps and stuff. Mm. And I realized like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an oddball, right? Like how I live my life. <laughs> you guys will probably find that out. But I, I, I'm pretty structured and like anyway, that's besides the point. I realized that no, gambling. Tell, tell me more, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that gambling is so runs so deep in our culture and our in 
in our lifestyle in Australia. Like it's so damn common. Yeah, put the TV on, watch any sporting game. What's the most advertised, uh, I guess, platform or gambling platform? See, I guess I don't have a TV. So <laughs> I, that's, oddball. Yeah, oddball. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's one. So, yeah, I mean, all, you have, all you'd have to do is look at how much money is spent in gambling a year in Australia alone mm. uh, to work out that, you know, if you divide that by about by the how, how many people are gambling and then how much they're spending. Well, Maybe you guys should look up how. Maybe you guys are listening and you do do the gam do do gambling. Um, not to say that it's wrong or anything like that. Everybody can do what they love to do with their life. Well, it's and- wrong if you're losing. <laughs> if you just suck at gambling, stop gambling, mate. Like, look at your precedence. Past performance is an indication of future performance. So, yeah. yeah so, gambling. Quit that, right? Obviously. <laughs> At least, uh, at least especially, for a while. especially if you're addicted, and if you are addicted in, in being all seriousness, like speak to somebody, get help, uh, you know, reach out to us, and we can recommend somebody. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. It's that that is fair. Like addiction is a thing. Um, Blow up the pokies by the Whitlam's is a really good song on his friend that, um, like, I think he committed suicide because sure. of gambling. So legit, if gambling is your thing and you need help, reach out to people. But also. How to like for us getting back into property? How do they look at the gambling transactions? Yeah, well, gambling is addictive, so they don't. Um, they, they see the transactions if you're sending money to you know, you, one of your gambling accounts, then um, one one of the accounts. Um, yeah, I've seen some things. Right? <laughs> so people have multiple accounts, right? Yeah, yeah, and mul- probably multiple apps. Yeah, well, they all have different, um, you know, like enticements. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're all fighting for your attention. But um, obviously, them gambling companies are making a lot of money, so mm. maybe they're a bit smarter than Joe Public. But um, mm. yeah, just going on to that thing, like expenses, it's the easiest way um, to uh, help maximize your borrowing capacity. But just remove those, um, I guess, discretionary items out of your. Your, your payments for three to six months. If you want to maximize, you know, your, your potential, you know, go through. And then we talked about this in the, um, I guess the episode. first episode about budgeting. Yeah. Like you can start to see, and it's a really good exercise to do because people just get so caught up in their day-to-day lives. They don't see, well, where is my money going? Yeah. And a lot of the time it, it could be caught up in things that, you know, don't give you that you know, real satisfaction. And that's why I keep talking about the big rock in the jar. Mm. And I mean, Everlasting satisfaction versus short-term satisfaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That small dopamine hit gets removed, you know, pretty quick. What is it? Three? Is it, I thought it was three weeks. But some people say when you drive your new car off the lot, then oh really? Then it goes then. But yeah, well, it, the reality comes because you're like, oh, I really want that car, for example. Mm. And uh, you know, you're working towards it. You're really stoked. You're going to get this car. You know, you you've got it on tick. So you got like another thirty thousand dollars in debt. You know, oh, but I get to drive around this cool car. Yeah. And then um, you got to you, know, you get the car. You drive out a lot, and you realize, shit. Now I've got to pay you know two hundred bucks a week just in interest repayments mm. on this car. Mm. Um, and you know, I feel good. You know, that that's great. If it's through a company, you might be able to get the tax deductions. You know, there's always strategies around that. But mm. say like. If you don't own a place that you're either living in or that's growing in value, you've just purchased a liability. Yeah. It's not an asset. It's depreciating over time. Yeah. So that's going to get you further away from your goal of financial freedom. So in the first episode, we talk about the leaky bucket syndrome mm-hmm. and how you can roll those things into an investment account 
And just thinking like literally about how much people may spend on gambling, say they're spending a hundred dollars a week to five grand a year, roughly, um, that can really compound a lot. And I dare say people probably spend more than that on average. Uh, that could compound a lot into a deposit. Yep. And not only is it so I'd like to think about second and third order consequences, which is basically in layman's terms is the compounding effects of you rolling that money into rolling the money that you would invest into. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a good investment, but investing into uh, uh, gambling versus rolling that into your uh, account, you know, your investment account. The first order consequences is saving a deposit. The second order consequences is it's helping your borrowing capacity significantly. Yep. Good point. And the third order consequences is, is in, yeah, it's it's increasing the size of the asset that you can purchase, which is getting you closer to financial independence. Yeah, you can also make like whilst interest rates are you know, reasonably low at the moment, but you can still, if you've got twenty grand and you know that you need to get to eighty grand mm. to get to that that purchase. Put that twenty grand in a high interest only turn deposit, or yeah, or something like that, where it, you you're investing it in a way, you're putting that money to work for you. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did at the start, and it's not the best return on investment, but the it risks. Helps. Well, yeah, the, if I put twenty grand into the share market and the share market just dropped, then now I've got fifteen grand. It's actually got me further away from my goal. The so risk is high higher than putting it in a yeah term deposit. deposit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's and there's different um, structures as well. I mean, even um, yeah, I, I, there's personal loan companies that you know they basically use your your funds to um, lend out to car loans. That was mm. um, one strategy that I looked into back in the day, and they were paying a ten percent interest rate, and it was the way they structured their business was quite low risk, and um, yeah, that obviously increased my interest rate from that point in time. But yeah, different ways of going about it. You really want to just be targeting towards that, say, uh, hypothetical $80,000 that you want to get to mm. and figuring out the best ways to get to there um, is going to, yeah, I guess, I- enhance your borrowing capacity but also enhance your financial position in life because um, once you do go down that asset um, route and you're going into a, an appreciating asset and you're using debt, you're fixing that debt mm. in you know, today's dollars, which um, is going to actually decrease over time because you're obviously paying down the debt but also the the inflation rate and the value of that dollar today is going to be worth less in the future and you're securing a property which is appreciating which is right? appreciating yeah so yeah. the debt's depreciating and the assets are appreciating and that might get a little bit uh, uh convoluted at the moment but um we'll that's what that. we're going to i really want to break that down like mm-hmm. there's some really good uh resources out there that help that and there's a few good books that we're going to put on the, on the website for you to sort of like look into and understand uh, because just listening to the podcast I mean like it's it's one way of introducing it but yeah. then reading the literature um, if you're into that or not uh, it definitely helps you get around that um, thought process and then I mean if you're really not a big fan of reading that's completely fine there's audio books or there's yeah. people to do it for you um, so just yeah, if you have any questions, you've got to learn. You've got to learn, guys. And we're just we're just going to refer books that we've read and we know that are great um, and get people results. Uh, there's two books that I always recommend uh, to people, and uh, we'll probably talk about that in another episode. But 
you could go to our site propertypals.au and check that out. Uh, we'll have resources, but we've also got like property finance guide on there as well. Um, that you guys that um, that's been created, and you guys can check that out and download yeah. that. Um, yeah, free download, so you mm-hmm. can resort back to it step by step. Before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you about borrowing capacity. We can do things personally, like increasing income, decreasing expenses, and like cancelling and consolidating debt. That's within our control. Is there anything that our brokers can do in fun, structured ways that could allow us to increase our borrowing capacity? Like, is there any things that we could do? Like, we could do, we got that control over our own finances prior to going to the broker, but are there things, certain things that they can do for us after we've extended ourselves as much as we possibly can with the control that we have over our own finances? Uh, yeah, and I think um, what we're going to be doing is getting a, a couple of different brokers on the, the channel yeah. um, just to introduce you to them and but also to ask some really key questions because they'll be um, up to date. But um, look, they go through different um, aggregators and they're basically mortgage broking houses and the, the relationships that they have with um, yeah, the banks lenders. and lenders. like So the, many lenders. The business development managers they work with. Um, they can like they they are a really valuable resource, mm. um, especially the good ones. And uh, what they can do is sort of shop your situation around, and they can help maximise because different banks and lenders have different terms and conditions, and um, they're always changing. Right? It's actually a really um, painstaking process to go through because X Y Z bank might um, have you know like a you. Favorable terms for first homeowners, but then six months later they cancel that product. Yep. But what they do is they advertise it, they get people in, and then um, secure their business really. Yeah, and they're always yeah. thinking of unique ways to market a certain product, mm. <laughs> whether that product stays around long term or not. Um, it's up to the bank. But there's some really interesting things going through the finance lending space um, at the moment, like the advancement of. I guess AI and tech, which um, you know, could you know, it's, it's definitely going to help people uh, from that front. So being on the front foot and working with people that do things, you know, in that industry every single day is, yeah. is always a it's a valuable resource. So yeah, um, they can, and um, it's obviously just case by case basis. Yeah, <laughs> definitely going to be based on somebody's personal finances and where they're at. Yeah, well, there's so many different aspects to it. Like there's People with two incomes, one income. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and and then also how many kids they may or may not have. Uh, yeah, just their own personal finances, and then what assets as assets they have to or don't have or liabilities uh, that may be best suited to a certain lender. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely right. Like everyone's got a different risk tolerance. So. Mm. Uh, so yeah, I guess we wrap that one up. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys, and check out the links. We'll put links to books and um, all the things in the show notes and then also check out propertypals.au. There's no .com in it, just propertypals.au and get our finance guide. That's going to be – it's very very dense and (coughs) in terms of dense, I mean applicable. Yeah, I mean it's just a guide Um, and and any question. (laughs) Oh, my God, sorry. (laughs) I got something in my throat. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, wrap it up. We'll wrap right. it up. We'll speak to you on the next one. The next one, we probably in in the future, we're going to get get some mortgage brokers on, um, and we've got a lot more good stuff to come. So yeah, stay tuned, guys.